Hello again, this is Charlie Balfontaine, and you're listening to the Home Buyer's Hour on WCPT AM820, where the facts matter. And it's just going to be the three of us, and we're actually going to sneak in our producer in the studio today, Devin Tingo. We'll give him an early... That's right. He's going to be on sound effects today. So if there's going to be a whole lot of noises that you're going to hear, we're going to blame Devin. But it's always nice to have him in the studio. First, I want to introduce Patrick Loftus of Loftus Law. Patrick, give us the lowdown. How do people get hold of you? And why should they want to know you? Well, welcome to the WCPT Morning Zoo. Oh, oh gosh. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. that That is... I, I honestly wish that I could... If I had, like, sound effects in, like, real life, I would use that one all the time. Oh, that would be so cool. something annoying happens, and I could just be like... Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> Um, my wife would not care. She's not from this country, and she has no idea what that is. But we every every single person who's ever faked sick to stay home from school knows that the only thing other than soap operas on in the morning is the the Price is Right, and that is really the only thing for a kid to watch. Otherwise, you're the Price you know, is wrong, bitch. <laughs> oh, are we geez. allowed to say whoa, that? Whoa, <laughs> aggressive! I know that? a little on our Marissa, side man. there. I want to throw a malarkey flag pretty soon. That's it. Nope. And That's I a bunch it. of malarkey. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm into it. I'm into this. You wanted me to say, well, introduce myself? Okay. Please. All right. So all that nonsense set aside, we got to fill up all the time. So I got to blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> my name is Patrick Loftus. I'm a real estate lawyer, believe it or not. After all that, you can find me on social media at Loftus underscore law on Instagram. L-O-F like Frank, T like Tom, U-S like Sam if you're listening instead of watching. If you want to find me on TikTok, you can find me at Loftus Law, calling and texting. That's that's for uh, you know boomers and all that. We we do we, we do the social media stuff. Just uh, follow me, DM me, and we can get started there. You'd be nice to the boomers. I, I represent that. I will not. I will, I will not. not. And I heard what you said there, and yeah. All right, Joey Matthews, can you give us a lowdown on... Why you're my favorite person? Well, it's because I'm just the best person alive. Uh, next question. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, wow. so uh, Joey Matthews at MLS 1330694, the VA Loan Nerd. You can find me at the VA Loan Nerd.com. You can find me across all social medias as at the VA Loan Nerd. You can call or text me at 630-235-2405. But it's, uh, I, think, I think Charlie likes me because I'm a dork. And dorks get along. I'm a nerd. Nerds get along. Uh, yeah. What's what's weird? Yeah. Is, what's the difference between a nerd and a dork? Well, I can uh, tell the you the literal difference. I will not tell you <laughs> on the radio. Joey had the same exact thing. <laughs> I thought nerds were smart and dorks weren't. I thought that was the difference. That yeah, that's what we're in the role with. Colloquially uh, speaking, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's. Yeah. No. I, Joey, you and I are, are spot on, and and I will. I I, I will. Explain what we're talking about on a medium where I Google machine. Yeah, uh, on a medium where I am not restricted in the words I can use, I can explain more about what Joey and I are alluding to. And uh, yeah, what's funny is Charlie's like racking his head. I'll tell you later off the air. Uh, What's funny is the opposite of what the meaning of San Diego is. (laughs) <laughs> I'm <lying>. Man, <laughs> I feel like this is Joey and I are talking to each other, and I'm going to have to explain every single reference to Charlie afterwards. You I are. Don't worry. Yeah. The, the, this, what's interesting, though, is uh, Joey, Charlie has the hardest time finding you on social media because he's always typing in Davier Lone Nerd. Oh my and goodness! You know, oh, so it's, yeah. it, he never uh, gets there. So all right, let's get back to work here. I got to straighten you two out, Joey. What's going on? I know that I'm getting phone calls from home inspectors saying everybody's slow, and yet my phone is ringing, and I think you're busy too. So what do you see going on with our economy rates and everything else? What's motivating things in the slowest season of the year? Well, I think that uh, everyone that was watching the rate decline over the last nine weeks uh, was just like, I'm going to wait till the first of the year. I'm going to wait till the end of the year. I'm not going to do this before the holidays. That's what it feels like, right? Because this was the busiest January 2nd I have ever had, um, including 2020 and 2021. Uh, The the, 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 the 10-year treasury, there's a lot of talk about how it was overbought over the last nine weeks, which is... 
when thing, when the treasury is overbought and when the mortgage-backed securities market is overbought or at least considered to be overbought, it means that during this buying session that rates are coming down, yields are coming down, all those wonderful things. So yesterday we actually saw a sell-off because of this fear that there was an overbuying. However, I think that the, the fear um, is a a short term thing because they were looking at the last nine weeks rather than looking at the 96 weeks preceding it. Right. Because right. in the 96 weeks preceding it, we saw a sell off like we've never seen two years worth of sell off before we finally saw some buying happen again. Joey, so I have I don't no really... idea what you mean by sell off. Are we selling stocks, mortgage backed selling securities? Bonds, selling bonds? mortgage backed securities. So, yes. And, right. and Joey, just so to, to get us kind of, uh, uh, you know, organized or, you know, draw a compass here. So I, I, I think Joe, what Joey is suggesting is that when, uh, when you sell bonds, the rate goes up as far as the return because there's less demand for the because bonds. Less, exactly. So as as those as people were selling bonds because they wanted to put their money into something that was going to earn more, the bonds uh, they they return more uh, on their rate. Uh, as it, it and you know which is meant to balance things out because you don't want everyone selling off all their bonds just to go somewhere else. Um, and you know they, whatever they 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 moved into uh, you know stocks or you know some other um, you know less safe but more um, you know potentially more lucrative investment. But as they're looking to get out of the riskier stuff and into something more stable like a bond, so a, a stock can go up, it can go down. Your you're investing in the ultimate uh, performance or outcome of the company. With a bond, a bond is much safer. You're not going to typically, you know, unless you're in the in the junk bond scene, you're you're going, especially with a treasury, which is you know a, is as much of a cash equivalent as you can get in terms of uh, an investment product. Um, when people are moving toward bonds is because they're looking for a safer place to put their money and then the the rates go down on those bonds and so i that's kind of what's underpinning what joey's trying to okay. describe to us which is that for a long time there was a lot of selling of these bonds which was causing the uh, rate of return for the bonds to go up which affects uh what the mortgage rates are now with with us with us seeing with him, with Joey seeing more purchasing of the bonds, that is uh, putting downward pressure on what those rates are, rate of returns, and so that has then downward effects on the mortgage rate. Am I am I kind of getting it somewhere in the ballpark? I feel here? like they're in a past life. Patrick worked on the CBOE, <laughs> and then he was like, you know what? I'm going to be an attorney. That's way less stress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> but how does that work, Joey? With you know them talk, the Fed's talking about lowering the interest rates. You know, a few times over this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's all baked into pricing already, right? So you, uh, people trade based on what they anticipate happening. So with Jay gotcha. Powell saying that they would anticipate three rate cuts through the course of the year, that's when traders start pricing in three rate cuts through the course of the year. So if we see any sort of reaction in the opposite way through the course of the year, if they don't cut rates at some point or if they raise rates at some point, we're going to see a wicked nasty sell-off of mortgage-backed securities and bonds because it will be the opposite of what the market has anticipated, right? So they they trade, they, I don't know if this is exactly what futures trading is, but they, they trade based on what they anticipate happening in the future. Fair enough. I can understand right. that a little bit, or at least my small so, little pea brain could absorb it. You know, so whether yeah, or not they, I'm going to comprehend is another thing. Over the course of the weekend, I had six out of nowhere pre-approvals come through. I had, Yesterday, I was working on pre-approvals. I got through two of them before my phone started blowing up, and I never even got to finish the last four. Uh, and now I have more pre-approvals coming through today. It's just the market is insane, uh, and we anticipated this, and we tried to warn people about this, and it's a good chance that um, – if you are not already pre-approved, you are going to not be enjoying life in the next few months. So if you are planning on buying this year, jump on it. Jump on it as soon as you can. It's only going to get worse, in my opinion. Um, and our inventory is hey, still low, right, Inventory is still low, yep. So yeah. what I was going to go into next is if, if you're looking at selling, um, you're going to have demand. You're going to get significant return on your investment. I would have to imagine because this is going to push values up as rates go down. Um, 
and this is the the buyer conundrum. What do you, you try to time the market? So it's a, it's a trade off. You're either going to get the low rate with the the higher purchase price, or you're going to get the higher rate with the lower purchase price. I'm and trying to talk my cases, stepdaughter into buying right now. She's a renter, and oh man, yep, yeah, it, it's and she's going to be moving. And we were just talking about the cost of rents that exist nowadays, and with mm-hmm. these. You know, I don't know. I guess they're grants on some of them, right? They give you the money for the down payment if she's a teacher. So, but it's, I, I don't know. I, it's how do you, how do you justify spending twenty four to thirty thousand a year in rent when you could use the same amount of money buy a multi family building and you're going to live the same way, it. but yep. now it's yours and you're going to be making money. Yeah. No. Hey, I'm on the same page. You know, I'm on the same page. Yeah. I, I, I will beat the drum of buying real estate until I become part of the land. So mm-hmm. yeah, they yeah. don't they don't make land anymore. So it's all <laughs> by what exists. You know, the the three of us, Charlie. You have to keep in mind that th- the three of us sitting well in in this room, either in person or virtually, w- we host a weekly real estate radio show. Right. I learned a lot. Podcasts, right. etc. So to us, the notion of oh yeah, just buy a house is like you know it's it's really second nature. There's no at fear. This point, um, you know, we have so much more uh you know at least knowledge if not experience yeah. uh you know i've i've watched however many people buy or or sell their home um seeing what they go through i see what is entailed between these different things we talked a lot last week about uh multifamily residential mm-hmm. real estate and the different ways you can leverage the purchase of one of those pieces of property into really developing true wealth um, through in, in, in a fairly short period of time, through a lot of work, of course, mm-hmm. you know, the, don't ever mistake me saying that that is possible with me saying that that's easy. Um, but if you want to put in the effort, you don't have to be a genius uh, to to work out those numbers. Now, I'll I'll give you an example. So you're you're talking about your you said your your, your stepdaughter, right? Yes. Um, and and she, you know, you're saying to her, well, you know, look at the dollars and cents of it. Um, so what one thing you told me is that she's moving in uh, with her her boyfriend for the first time, and we can cut that out if, <laughs> if that's not uh, publicly known or if uh, there are certain family members who that's would rather uh, you'd rather not disclose that to. You. Um, but you know that It'll throws a piece that throws a monkey wrench into it, it in, in some respects because how do you how do you work that out? How does that conversation go? Hey, I'm going to buy this place. You'll be my tenant or however it is. I don't know. Those things can always be figured out, though. All problems can be fixed. Yes, but. Let let me give you a but here. Um, Typical attorneys. Well, I can. This isn't. This has nothing to do with my law experience. This has to do with my personal experience. I've cohabitated with with two different women, um, and we can cut that out uh, because my wife would probably be annoyed (laughs) to hear that. Uh, But it's true. And you know, one one thing that I've learned is that you know when you own the place and your significant other uh, is not also an owner, that does create some. Even if they're small, yeah. or they could be large. If if you let's say your your stepdaughter buys a, a two bedroom condo, uh, she's gonna feel great. She's gonna she bought this condo. Uh, they're both contributing to the payments. He could end up feeling some kind of way about well, you know, if this doesn't work out, now you own this asset that I've contributed. Uh, <laughs> hey, there he is, the VA loan nerd. Um, if he's contributing toward the payments, and then you know, let's say it doesn't work out, God forbid. I don't want to, you know, put that out there in the universe. But what happens then? He's going to say, well, you know, I this, whatever equity, you know, don't I have some some right to it. No, they don't, legally speaking. Let me just uh, interject that. Yeah. But um, it can, you know, from a just a relationship perspective, that that could actually be a detriment so you know there's there's other there's other aspects to it i'll give you one other example uh, my wife really has a, a goal she's she's had a goal for a long time of of owning her own place right and obviously i don't want to stand in in the way of her attaining that goal because i'm not a jerk uh most of the time um, she's gonna look at me and and you know she's she's got this uncanny way of like giving me exactly what she's feeling without saying a word. She's very expressive in that way. 
Uh, and the look like she's going to give me when when we're watching this together is going to be one that I'm not going to enjoy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, th all, all that set aside, I said, well, honey, um, you know, you could buy a single unit or let me tell you about buying a four unit building. And she looked at me like I had three heads. Like, what do you mean buying a four unit building? I've never even bought one thing. I'm like, well, actually. So, you know, the the information that knowledge experience that we've that's just like seeped into our pores through talking about this every week you know we, we've we've almost you know we've had a year and a half real estate therapy sessions together um and you know we're in a different place different when mindset. it comes to that and when your stepdaughter's ready she'll be ready yeah and you know you know what's best right and then she's like, eh, yeah, but I, I got my own ideas. And, you know, I remember being that age. And if I my... knew everything when I was that age. <laughs> yeah. You know, absolutely. The older yeah. I get, the dumber I get. Hey, you know, I, I, had, you know? I didn't take anyone's advice. I had to learn it all the hard way, um, you know, because I'm a hard head, you know, just like you described being. Well, I want to I get back to you on a different issue a little bit. And I guess I want to start with Joey first and see how all this stuff works out. So our, the subject that we wanted to talk about today is purchasing new construction and how the whole process works, whether it's a private builder or a semi-custom home uh, builder or even spec homes, you know, buying something that's already done. And let's start off with like a, a semi-custom home. So I know there's a lot of builders out there. You go look at the in the showroom, you pick a model, you pick the colors, all the options that you want inside the house. You put your earnest or down payment in there, and then all of a sudden they start building. But that usually takes about nine months. Joey, what happens when during that nine months? I mean, does somebody have to be, you know, I mean, I mean, things change. Rates change. You know, sometimes jobs change. Give me some some things that a home buyer should be watching out for if they're going to be buying new construction. Yeah, so when you're buying new construction, uh, if you are nervous about the rate market, you can do what's called a long-term lock. Uh, there are locks available for, I've seen up to 360 days. The catch on these is you're going to be paying points and you're going to be paying them up front, right, to the lender. Um, but it will protect you to qualify for that pro uh, home for when it is time to close. So uh, something that happened in 2022, 2023, uh, people that were under contract for new construction that did not do long-term rate locks with how quick the market moved up, if they had been pushing their limits on what they could borrow, they did not qualify anymore. And a lot of people lost those contracts. They lost wow. money that they made as a deposit to the builder because builder, and Patrick will tell you, builder contracts are very builder friendly, mm -hmm. right? So those deposits, nine times out of 10, unless you're working with like just a builder who is very nice, um, that deposit you pay is not going to be refunded most of the time. Um, not without a fight, for sure. Well, especially if yeah. the house prices are going up and they could sell it to somebody else for more money. Well, that, so, well, that, that would be introduces nice too, another a, you know, yeah, wrinkle into it. But, um, but yeah, Joey, please uh, continue. So and anyway, so that's obviously the risk when you're building is the rate environment. Um, and now in a declining rate environment, you can still do those long-term rate locks and when you're closer to closing, you usually will have an option for a one-time float down. You can only execute it one time. So if you're trying to time the market, I mean, hey, God bless you. But if your loan officer or you feels like now is the time to execute that float down, just do it and know that you're good to go. What is a float down? Float down is when the lender will allow you to reduce the rate to usually one eighth to one quarter above what the going rate is in the market now uh, compared to when you locked. So now you get to, you know, still have that lower rate. Obviously, you still would have paid those points up front for the rate. Um, but that was also to be part of your security blanket. So keep that in mind. Um, now, the, is that something that you put in the sales contract or is that something that gets put into, you know, the mortgage? I don't even know what it's called. You know, the, the mortgage documents, no, I guess. Th th this has to do with the lender. Um, All right. The builders can't force you to do a long-term rate lock. Uh, this is, you know, something that the lender and the the buyer have to figure out between themselves, right? And the lender has to just be very upfront about the risk of floating, all those wonderful things. Um, Can we address the, that with the, Patrick, though, real quick? What can a buyer do to protect themselves from 
rate increases during that nine-month period if they can no longer afford it? Uh, by a long-term lock, by paying up front. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. I'm helping. Not, not, yeah. I mean, look, not a whole lot, right? We're all uh, subject to what the market conditions are. Um, you know, it, I suppose really the most important thing is, is to know up front what the possibilities are and either be prepared for the idea that the interest rates could increase and you will have a higher monthly payment. Um, and if that doesn't work for you, or if that could possibly price you out of affording the home, uh, you really need to be either buying this long-term lock or uh, not building a new construction home, uh, or buying a new construction home rather. So, um, you know, the, 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 there are some, this is exactly the kind of thing that we um, that we you know meant to talk about in terms of you know some of the things that are different about buying new construction. How much of a cost is that? I know you mentioned points, but is there like an average fee to that, Joey? One and a half to two points. So what is a point? Uh, if your loan amount is going to be for $400,000, one and a half points would be $6,000. You take 400000 you multiply that by 0. 0.015, and that is your number. If it is two points, then 400000 two points is going to be $8,000. Is that up front? That is up front. You, they will not execute the rate lock without the funds. Because if... if, if if for whatever reason you decide to shop them down the road and they did not accept those funds up front, then they lose that money. So they will absolutely not just sit on those funds. They are going to request those funds up front because those funds at the end of the day are going to be owed to whoever they are locking with. Because in this world, we lock with investors and investors secure those locks with funds. And that's just how that works. Um, so if you were to shop the lender down the road and you paid these funds up front, there's a better chance of you sticking with the original lender if you've already paid funds. So it's the lender protecting themselves from a loss. Now, before we go scaring everyone on this, um, because, you know, you're talking about six, eight thousand dollar, you know, yeah. basically, uh, you know, chucking that at the lender just just to hopefully not have to have a higher uh, monthly payment. The increase and the dramatic increase of interest rates over the course of the past 18 to 24 months is is definitely not the norm right no. and and we talked about the norm the two percent wasn't norm either no, nothing has been Correct. the quote-unquote norm since about march of 2020. now i think what the the fed's aim uh is or it should be in my opinion is to ultimately reach a situation where we are more stable one of the things, in, in my opinion, um, and in my observations, that is driving a lot of the fear that we have, uh, you know, can continue to have is the fact that we've lacked stability in certainly in, in, the, in the financial markets, whether it's uh, to, for the benefit or for the detriment of whoever is uh, buying or investing. Mm -hmm. And that instability is it's not good for our our collective psyches, in my opinion. Um, I think that more than anything else, you know, regardless of where you ultimately want to see interest rates, if we could return to a more stable environment where we're you know bumping up, up and down through basically you know a, a single point, you know, meaning if if we're you know for a, a, an eighteen to twenty four month period, so, you know somewhere between five and six, you know, if, if whatever it is, yeah. or four and five, like you know, before. I would say, and, and Joey, you'll know uh, with more specificity than than me. But um, before you know everything changed, everything happened. Uh, you know, we were creeping up, you know, toward five and a half, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, for a long time, we were, you know, hovering, you know, above or below five, give or take. And you know that it's a lot easier to make decisions about, you know, buying a home, for example, and especially if it's going to be a nine month. Uh, experience. If you know that interest rates are, you know, they may go up, you know, you know, half a point, give or take. You can budget for that. What you can't mm -hmm. necessarily budget for is uh, interest rates went from four and a half to six and a half, or four, you know, whatever it is, five to seven, to seven, seven and, and, a and a half. Yeah, those, those that two and a half points just kills you. It, Joey, you know that that wouldn't that just about double your monthly payment? I mean, no, no one budgets for that. 
No, Double? not at all. I mean, no. the, the general no. rule of thumb is for every 1% increase in rate, your buying power drops 10%. So if you were looking to buy for $500,000, that 1% increase is going to drop your new max to four fifty, right? Uh, so, And I guess that's part of the reason. I know you kind of preached this, that you really shouldn't be going for your max. But then again, it's your life. I don't like telling people what to do. But when you try to, you know, borrow the maximum that you could borrow – and you really have no room left over. And I will confess that I was guilty when I bought my first home of doing just that. Yeah, never do that. Yeah. Hello yeah. was a jerk for letting you. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a tough situation. And I don't know what was going on back in 1970 when you bought your first house. But, 1970? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, ain't I a stinker? Um, yeah. It, well, I, uh, Charlie, I, I think rather than describing people who – uh, who tried to stretch for that uh, for for that most expensive house they could afford? I think what we're describing is a scenario where somebody thought they were going to be spending perhaps a quarter of their gross uh, monthly income, which I think is reasonable. I think that's reasonable. And then the interest rate environment changed so drastically between signing the contract and getting to the point where they're looking to lock for closing and they didn't have any protection. And now they're looking at a payment that would be more like 40% of their gross monthly income, in which case they they did not prepare or intend for that to happen. That was something existential that forced them into that. And perhaps even at that point, they wouldn't be able to qualify for that loan. And it, and again, it, it's, it's something, you know, where... I think it's it's as much as it's the rates themselves, it's the it's how quickly they increased that has really made it difficult for people to make buying and selling decisions. If you're you know, we, we all have our, you know, our short term memories that are, are, you know, have more influence over what we do than our long term memories. I don't but even have a short term memory anymore. I'm sorry, what did you say? Exactly. Um, but it's like if my thought process is rates could go up or down by you know three or four points in in the next 12 to 18 months i'm i'm probably hanging out and, and not doing much when the rates are high because i think that they're you know bound to go back to where they were and you know past performance does not guarantee you know future outcomes uh, always as, have as to they, throw those disclaimers in there don't they, we yeah you know i hear it every sunday about 75 times <laughs> Patrick, um, how do people get a hold of you if you they know, have questions on real estate law? And I, I do want to ask you, I'm going to come back to you about questions and contracts for new constructions. But please give us your contact info first. All right. So for those of you who are um, you know, needing to get back to sleep, we will be talking <laughs> real estate contracts in just a moment. Mm -hmm. Now, it's 2024, man. Calling and texting is so last year. Um, find me on social media. Follow me and then DM me. That's where it's happening guys because i said so i'm on instagram at loftus is it at do you do ads on instagram oh. instagram loftus underscore law we call like it Frank. insta do you yeah because we're do you? cool do you, do, is do by, by insta did you mean facebook i did yeah i know i know even when i'm you know i'm having i'm having uh, breakfast with charlie this morning he's got the facebook uh, open you know he's looking uh, you know what did what did uh you know my nephew say about his breakfast this morning all right on the um, joey <laughs> at loftus underscore law on insta at loftus law on tiktok which is where all the cool kids are joey give us your contact info please let me help you fly um <laughs> so yeah you can uh, call or text me at 630 two four zero five keep in mind my phone has been blowing up so if i don't answer right away it's because i'm on the, on the other line but we'll call right back um that's the first time i've had to give that disclaimer on the yeah. show uh good problems so you can also find me at the valonenerd.com you can find me on social media as at the valonenerd across across all brands except for truth i don't do that one I love it. Anywho. Um, and my name is Charlie <laughs> Belfontaine. I own Chicagoland Home Inspectors. And for what it's worth, Joey, I just, oh, my God, I got your picture up on this, my phone right now. But I ended up turning away two phone calls while we're doing this recording already. So just like you, the phone is ringing hard. That means people are out there buying. Um, again, our website is The Home Inspectors. That's plural, O-R-S, and that's a dot com. And then we also own Home Inspection University of Illinois. 
and that's H-I-U-I-L.com. If you're interested in joining or entering the home inspection profession, please reach out, and we'd be more than happy to get you started. We do a lot of training, especially our online training for free. Um, we just believe in this profession so much. So one of the things that I've noticed you know, going into new construction again is we'll get a call to go do a pre-drywall inspection. And then they want us to do the final inspection. And then every now and then, you know, I get a client call me back and said, the builder doesn't allow us to bring in a private inspector. How often or how do I, I mean, is obviously using an attorney to go ahead and review these agreements is kind of a, an important step. At least I think it is. But how often does that happen, Patrick? Uh, Pre-contract, you know, from time to time, I would say. I don't deal these days in a lot of new construction contracts um, because a lot of stuff I deal with is in the city. And most of the new construction, you're going to find out where there is land to build homes on. So, Are those standard forms? Standard like a forms, real estate contract? Well, each, each builder is going to have their own form okay. that will have been uh, written and rewritten and rewritten again by their lawyer uh, every time something happens. To protect me, the, the buyer, right? <laughs> yeah, right. It's, you yeah, don't, you I don't speak hi- sarcasm. You don't hire a lawyer to, to protect the other guy, um, for the most part, I would say. Uh, and, and yeah, they're going to be pretty one-sided, uh, no question about it. Um, you know, From the builder's side of things, there's a good reason for it. Uh, not only do they want to have all sorts of gotchas in there in case someone gets cold feet. I mean, that nine-month time period, it's a long time. And, you know, somebody starts to feel some kind of way uh, one way or the other. Um, you know, it is a bad business practice to have loose contracts that allow people to uh, to cancel on you. Because once you've built that house with all of the weird features and colors that the, the homeowner has selected... Um, it's going to be harder to sell it to somebody else uh, for what for what you're going to sell it to that person. So those contracts, uh, I think, necessarily need to be written in a way that protects the builder uh, from you know losing money. I mean, ultimately, it's a business for them, and and that's really the main difference between buying a home from a builder and buying a home uh, buying existing real estate from a homeowner. Um, that homeowner, yes, they want to make money on the sale, but it's not their business. This is an investment that they bought, um, that they also happen to live in. And if things don't work out, they still own that thing and they have the ability to sell it to someone else. Uh, they already, they already uh, were, were in it. Uh, whereas with a builder, you know, they're, they're never going to live in that home, uh, even the model home. Um, and so, uh, and, and you know, for what it's worth, uh, if, if you want to get... Maybe the, you know, here's a little life pro tip for buying new construction. Uh, wait until they're just about sold out and try to buy the model because the model's going to have all the bells and whistles that they were trying to sell to you and you won't get nickel and dimed on all the extras. Little little thing, little thing for you. Not the easiest thing in the world. There's only, you know, so many models out there to buy, but uh, not not a bad strategy if, if you're trying to, you know, really uh, maximize your value on a new construction purchase. Um, so that's one uh, thing to, to keep in to in consideration, but you know, from from the buyer's perspective, right? So you know, I've I've di- I've discussed why it's important for the builder to have a one-sided contract, and you know, you say, well, what about the buyer? You know, what about their interests? And number one, I think, and and this this is a, a I think a theme that goes through every single episode we've done is that you want the buyer to at least understand what they have signed or what they are, are going to sign. Um, yeah. By and Knowledge large, power. yeah, by and large, these, even, even the most one-sided uh, builder contract is going to have an attorney review provision. Even if it doesn't, I just assume one is in there um, because, you know, that's just, that's how I'm going to approach it. Um, now, you know, I, I, I can, I can, go through with a fine tooth comb and, and try to uh, massage out all of the little hooks. Um, but by and large, uh, you know, you, you'll only get them to budge so much. Um, and so I, you know, I'm not going to generally set, unless there's something completely, you know, if, if the contract is just outrageous for, you know, on, on some level and, and I feel like I need to send a 26 paragraph attorney review letter, you know, I'll try to focus on the few places where I think I can, uh, I can win some points on it and, and try to make it a little more fair for the buyer. But everything comes down to how much power you as a buyer have. So before you sign the contract and before you give any money, correct me if I'm wrong, both of you, please. But isn't that when you have the most power? 
you know, when they don't have your money, when they don't have a signed agreement already, and then once you sign the agreement, but yet you still haven't given them, you still have some, but once they have the money and the agreement, what do you have for leverage? Well, it's not really about leverage because unless there's literally no other buyer out there that is, that is prepared to buy the thing, uh, at the terms that the uh, the builder is proposing, then you know they'll just say you know look we're we're not on the same wavelength as far as how this is meant to go. We're not going to treat you special uh, as opposed to all the other people. Um, you know it, for for reasons that are both in the in the builder's perspective, but also in the consumer's perspective, because you would you would not want to find out later on that your neighbor got special treatment from the builder you know uh, unless there's some really good reason like we built the house for my cousin uh way back in the day that was a fiasco uh, they still <laughs> live in that house it's a great house um but you know a, a number of mistakes were made and when i say mistakes whoops we added in you know this little feature that you didn't pay for and that thing and the other thing and you know uh it, it's it's one of those things that you you know you you get the opportunity to do now the fiasco part of it was that the uh the city that we were constructing this home and decided at the last minute that they didn't quite like the grade of the side yard uh like it was off by like one degree and they just wanted to be real uh you know sticklers about it let's say now that was going to delay the close by a day which was going to delay the move by about two weeks and cost them a whole bunch of money and my cousin freaked out and was like screaming at me during the final walkthrough my 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 boss uh you know thought this would be a good opportunity you know a final walkthrough on easy mode uh to you know give me my first opportunity to do, opportunity to do a walkthrough uh, and that completely blew up on our faces because it turned into like the worst one ever. Um, so, you know, baptism by fire, if you will. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I guess I, I don't remember what my original point was. You know, the, the, the point is, you know, as far as like treating anyone special, you know, you, you wouldn't want someone to find out that that their neighbor uh, got, you know, was treated more fairly. But also, if you have, let's say I'm selling uh, 300 homes in a subdivision, if I've got 300 different contracts, I'm never keeping that straight. I'm never keeping it straight. Good point. So I am going to stick to the contract that was written as true to it as possible. So I'm not trying, I don't have to dig into the file and see, oh, do we negotiate this particular thing out on this one as opposed to that one? Um, so there's, there's lots of reasons why um, you know th that you're not really going to necessarily make as much headway as you would like with the new construction contract, even though it's less fair than uh, a multi-board 7.0 contract, which is meant to be you know a 50/50 form. Now, do you find these contracts you know fail? In other words, a deal doesn't go through, or what percentage of them, once they're started, that they go to the end? They mo they mostly go just fine. The thing is, it, the thing the thing the thing is that both sides have the the, the same goal at the end of the day. But right? that's every real estate transaction. I yeah. want to buy. They want to sell. We agreed on a price. Let's make it work. Yes and no. Okay, so I, I won't dispute anything that you just said. I think that that is true of of both kinds of contracts. But there is something different when you're building a home for someone you're there with them uh at the the pre-drywall walkthrough you, you've met these people you've you've got that nine-month relationship with them uh you know the sales team knows them um yeah there's more to it especially you've you've if you take pride in what you're doing i mean building a home is one of those things that i think is has the has the potential to be one of the more rewarding uh, careers that you can possibly have because like as that. as you say Charlie you know this this is someone's home it's like you know on level one of the of the hierarchy of needs and and you've you've con you know been instrumental in constructing a home for someone and their family and you're by the way you're not just if, if this is a subdivision you're not just uh, you know selling them the home and I'm out 
you're you're there in the construction chair. They're gonna be knocking on on the door when when you know something happens, or even you, you know you, you might have some kind of you know friendly relationship with some of these folks. I mean, if you're Let's say you take two, three years to build out the subdivision. I mean, you, you're gonna you're gonna see these people every morning. You're out there at seven, seven thirty in the morning every day. I used to do a whole bunch of eleven month warranties, and there there were about four different subdivisions. And when the builders sell the houses, they usually sell them right down a street. You'd like so, to do, yeah. I mean, that's the ideal way to do it. it doesn't everything's work in order, out, but. right? So I then all of a sudden, eleven months come in there, and I started marketing those areas pretty heavily. And I would do houses right next to each other. I'd do two in a day, you know, sometimes three back in the day, you know. Um, now it's only one. And But it was funny because the the builders or the builder rep would drive by. they see me up on the roof and they'd be, oh, you can just see their eyes rolling. Oh, great. You know? Charlie's <laughs> yeah. here. We got another list of stuff that we're going to have oh, to Lordy. fix. And, um, but, he, but it was still friendly and it was still professional. Yeah. And as long as everything's accurate and it's not made up, you know, then then everything goes smooth and the relationships are good. No, because no in all question. reality, it's their reputation too. It, not only that, but you know, because of you know this, it, it, there's you you definitely have a piece of your ego tied up in 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 every home that you build, right? Yeah. And if someone's coming in, let's say, and and this happened all the time, because um, you know. <laughs> the municipal inspectors uh, often are on some kind of power trip. I mean, this, this is what it is. Um, and so, uh, so some are good, some are cool. And, you know, it, but the thing is, when they come in and they're pointing out stuff, that's BS. That That's going to sour that relationship. When Charlie comes in, he points out stuff that is, you know, straight up legit. I mean, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, pulling up, you know, however many subs are responsible for yeah. making those warranty repairs, you know, pull, I gotta pulling those guys I got to argue with you up. a little bit. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's it's not, you know, and, and I get it. I do this too. I, I talk prejudiciously. All humans are different. All right. That's the bottom line. And we got great code cops and we got bad code cops. I will say that the common denominator is that our city officials are overwhelmed. And when municipalities have to cut budgets, believe it or not, one of the first areas that they cut are gonna be in the in the code enforcement division. And that just overworks everybody else. Now they build relationships with the builders, relationships of trust with the builders. And I remember we just had one in, um, I don't wanna say the town, but we just did an inspection where um, an outlet was missing on a wall and I forgot what the, oh, it was ventilation in the attic. There was none. You know, they never cut it in there. So I was very proud of my guy for catching those two items. And the builders said, well, it passed code. Everything's fine. We're not fixing a thing. I'm like, okay. But I actually had a personal relationship with the one of the code officials in that community. And I'm like, you know, here's the codes. Boom, boom, boom. This is what should be there. And I gave it to my client to give to the builder, and they still said no. I said, all right, if you want, I'll make a phone call. And we did. And it turned out that the outlet was just covered over with drywall. Stuff like that happens, all right? Mm -hmm. And all they had to do was go in there, find it, and cut it open, and put the outlet in there fixed. And as far as the ventilation, that's another easy fix. Do a few holes. But what happened with that builder was they just lost their relationship with the city officials because sometimes they would say okay we're going to give you the next step go on but i want you to do this 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 and this and they expect it to be done and if it doesn't get done well guess what you don't get that you don't get a second chance at that at going ahead and keeping that relationship so i don't know yeah you, oh look hey, listen you and i have different experiences when it comes to this you're on the builder side and you know so there are definitely some inspectors that that they don't want to be your friend. They they you know to them this is an adversarial uh, type of relationship. And you know I'd go in there. I mean, nineteen year old me, I'm trying to be as you know nice as I could, and they just steamroll right over and they got this 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 and this. And you know whether it's legit or not. I mean, shoot, at that point I, I really couldn't have told you. I would take the slip back to my boss and be like, you know, this is what they pointed out, and he'd be like. You know, he's that like, that crankiest old dude, uh, you know that that you ever want to, uh, you know, come across. And he, he would smoke these like uh, what were they were Winston one hundreds. Um, oh the, I mean, my this, god! This guy, <laughs> god. I mean, he like 
like a chimney, man. Like yeah. a chimney. I, you know, the secondhand smoke I, I took in just on that job. Joey, did you ever buy new construction? Have I? Uh, well, yes, yes. My condo was new construction. Uh, and then I also bought my house, which was new construction. It was three years old. Um, but yes, both. So with uh, Bella Floor Builders and Toll Brothers. All right. Toll Brothers yeah, is one of the largest companies in in the nation, I yeah. think, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they... Yeah. I, They're a throw up. I'm, no I'm, offense. <laughs> they used to be known for high-end stuff, and I think they absorbed some some of the builders that didn't make it through the Great Recession. I could be wrong about that. I know... No, they did. They did a lot of luxury builds, and then essentially just new ownership took over, and they went into cost-cutting mode like everybody else. Like, yeah. I have to get a whole new roof. Uh, um, yeah, that's that's basura. Um, yeah. yeah. So Hold on. I want to hear about the roof. What do you mean you had to get a whole new roof? I'm going to have to get a whole new roof. So there's supposed to be a non-permeable layer between the roof and the house. Oh, right? no. Are you serious? I no, do I, not have a non-permeable layer. So when the rain blows in sideways, we get water. Now, that you're talking about like ice and water shield, but typically that's only the first three feet or two feet to the interior. Are you telling me they were supposed to put that on the entire roof deck? I don't know what any of that means, but I have to assume that's what I did. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, what I what I'm envisioning is they just they just nailed the shingles right to the sheathing, which it would be crazy. We have a slate roof. I'm in Arizona. We have oh, a slate roof. Nice. Oh, so well then, yeah, that. you, then, know that much you have to have full underlayment um, yeah. underneath the whole thing. Absolutely. Oh wow. So there it is. Oh my God, that's a lot of money. It is roof. a lot of money, and I contacted Toll. I'm like, oh yeah, no warranties don't transfer. Like you mothers. Oh boy! Yeah, no, no. That's so. What do you do with something like that? I pay a lot of money for a new roof, so I don't have to continue buying new drywall and mold remediation for my attic. And if you are listening to this program, and if you ever go to buy my house down the road, this never happened. No, yeah, no, I got you. But ah, the disclosures. You know, yeah. I guess this is where it's always nice to, you know, and Patrick. I don't think. Well. I don't know if I would be able to catch something like that. You know what? I I I brought that up too because you'd have to lift the slate off the roof to even find it, right? That's my point. There's no way to go in there and see it. However, you know, Patrick, how many times do people go out and visit houses while they're being built, the ones that they bought? Yeah, well, all the time, even though they're not supposed to. But, you know, you wouldn't necessarily, even if you were watching the roofer up there, uh, you know, I, I don't think I would be able to understand whether or not they're installing it properly i mean unless it was completely like that thing is is crooked or you know something along those lines i have had a client though who you know after the house was built and they said that just like joey had a problem such as this i'm like there's no way i could see it oh but every time i went there i took a whole bunch of pictures and i mean literally thousands of photos and it was almost uh you know what was going on so if you're gonna visit the property Start using that portable camera that you keep in your pocket. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, you know, you, you won't regret having extra pictures that you maybe you never look at uh, because maybe there comes a time when you do want to look at it. Um, and, you know, these days, a picture and a video, I mean, you know, they're ubiquitous. I mean, you know, um, document everything. Um, Joey, you might think about suing that subcontractor that put that roof in. I mean, that's just inexcusable but uh it depends on how much the roof is uh, that you are going to be paying for whether or not you'd rather um just pay for a roof instead of handing a bunch of money to a lawyer um speculatively it'd be like 30 40 grand it also has a lot to do with i'm well, throwing the malarkey flag on that roofer <laughs> no lie <laughs> um but no it also happens to be where you're at you know and what state it is like here in the state of illinois when it comes to roofing our roofers are licensed. They're licensed by the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation. So it's a state license for roofers. And we do have a state roofing code um, that comes in there. And at least the state of Illinois will protect the consumers. All right. They do have teeth and they could do at least put the person out of business so they can't harm anyone else. But it's not going to cost you any money when it comes to that. The other drawback is going to be you know, if there's any insurance requirements or, you know, just because somebody did something wrong, if they don't have any money, what are you going to get out of them? You know? Well, uh, you, you know, I'm assuming that a roofer that has, 
you know enough resources to get a contract from a builder like Toll Brothers is is a a fairly major concern. Um, but isn't Toll Brothers then responsible? I should be using their name. Isn't the general contractor responsible for what the subcontractor does? You probably uh, you probably bring them into the suit as well, just because you know you don't more leave fingers, it. more pockets. Yeah, they're the ones that have to carry the insurance. Well, you don't. Uh, but insurance, insurance doesn't yeah. cover construction defects, right? Because uh, you know. Insurance would be completely um, bankrupt, unaffordable. But yeah, I don't think there's a malpractice insurance. No, for... there isn't. There isn't. You know, that's that, that's just a that's something that 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 the liable party would would cover out of pocket. I want to talk really quick, really really quick. Um, Joey said that he bought a new con- new construction condo. Really important to understand. Number one, when you buy a new new construction condo, you're going to be making a working capital con- capital contribution at closing, usually equal to two to three months of the monthly assessment. So understand there's a there's there's an extra expense associated with that. Additionally, if there's a condo association or a homeowner association, if you're buying single family detached. Um, that is association is going to be controlled by the builder. Make sure you understand what kinds of restrictions that they put in there, especially if it's, if it's a single family detached. Understand whether or not they um, prohibit fences or they mandate a certain kind of fence. Different things. You know, uh, often I'll see there's no above ground pools allowed. Um, those are those are some things that you definitely want to even before you sign the contract. They should be willing to uh, share that with you so that you can understand whether or not there are some non-negotiables, you know, I have three snowmobiles, I'm gonna, or I have a snowplow, I'm gonna park in the driveway. That's gonna be a no as well if you're buying new, uh, new construction in a new homeowner association. So just realize some of those things as well, because I think m- many people, they buy and they think, hey, I just bought a house, it's my house, and I, you know, no. Are those condo docs on new construction, are they already written? Can you get those? Yeah, you, you should be able to, yeah. Cool. We are running out of time as usual, so I got six more questions to ask you. But let's just start off with your contact information, please, Patrick. Find me on social media, Loftus underscore law on Instagram, L-O-F like Frank, T like Tom, U-S like Sam, if you're listening and not watching, at Loftus Law on TikTok. Sounds good. And Joey, if you don't mind? Well, you can call me or text me at 630-235-2405. You can find me at thevaloanerd.com or across all social media as at thevaloanerd, except for Truth Social. <laughs> and don't don't look for him on the dark web either. He's he's not he's not messing around there. No lie there. Again, my name is Charlie Belfontaine. I own Chicagoland Home Inspectors. If you have any problems with your home current or buying I I never charge to talk on the phone. Please feel free to reach out to me. Our phone number is 312-544-9180. Repeating, 312-544-9180. If you press option three, that'll take you right to me. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it did. So that, and if I don't answer, that means I'm on the phone with someone else. So please leave a message. I will return the call. If you're interested in joining the home inspection profession, please think about going to Home Inspection University of Illinois. That's H-I-U-I-L, and that is a .com. Um, Again, you're more than welcome to reach out to me. I'll talk to you about the good and the bad of everything else. The one thing that I don't like to do is make decisions for other people, but I want to give you enough information so you can make an educated decision. I'd also like to give a special thank you to Devin Tingle again. He was a little bit crazy on the soundboard today, but I actually made me smile, so I loved it. So again, my name is Charlie, and I am out. <laughs>